You're listening to the Alliance Specialty Podcast, dedicated to insurance and risk management solutions and trends shaping the market today. Welcome to a, another Alliance Specialty Podcast. This is Todd Hagemeyer, Managing Director of the Alliance Healthcare Practice. And I have with me this afternoon, Catherine Debb, Senior Vice President of Alliant in the Healthcare Practice and our National Client Advocate. Catherine, th- thank you for joining me this afternoon. We wanted to spend some time discussing a recent case in Tennessee where Redon Devot was convicted of a criminal act for a medical error. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to state some of those facts about the case for us. And we've been getting a lot of questions from clients about risk management implications, as well as insurance coverage issues that we would like to cover. Thank you, Todd, and happy to discuss this case. This is one that really is sending shockwaves through the healthcare industry and hits very close to home for many of our nurses and healthcare systems. So briefly, by way of background, the case involves a fatal medication error. The nurse was serving in what we call a help all or floating type role. She was asked to accompany a patient to the radiology suite for a study to be performed. The patient was very nervous. And she contacted the physician and got an order for the drug Versed, which was intended to have a calming effect to allow the patient to get through the study. When she went to the automated drug cabinet to retrieve the medication, she typed in VE and instead of withdrawing Versed, withdrew a medication called Vecuronium, which is a paralyzing agent. She administered that medication to the patient. That medication essentially paralyzed the patient's diaphragm and she died. The reason that the case is one that is causing such an uproar is because it really is seen as a systems mistake, not just an individual mistake. Yet here we have an individual that's been criminally convicted. In our roles at at Alliant and what we do today, we're constantly working with clients and discussing their patient safety issues, as well as their ability to retain and recruit staff, especially with the nursing shortage that we have. Uh, facing the industry today. Would you mind uh, elaborating a little bit about some of the concerns you're hearing from our clients in the healthcare community as a result of the conviction in this case? Sure. To back up, since 1999, when the Institute of Medicine published its opinion uh, or its piece called To Air is Human, there's been a real focus in the healthcare industry on looking for systems and potential failures, and how can those systems be strengthened to prevent errors as involves the treatment of patients. And part of that movement has involved what we call a just culture. And the just culture is designed not to seek to punish someone when an error occurs, but rather to have that error or even sometimes just a near miss reported, reviewed, and to learn from it. The concept being that if we can learn how that error occurred, we can build systems that will protect the next nurse or next physician from making that same mistake. Catherine, with the, as you're aware, in, in working with us and the insurers, there's been a lot of discussion as a result of this case and, and other uh, situations, for example, where you have a, a physician, a rogue physician that gets convicted of a, of a criminal act with sexual abuse um, allegations and charges that bring up the criminal acts exclusions and other provisions of insurance policies. So maybe we should take a moment or two to discuss uh, some of the relevant questions as reflects uh, insurance issues that our clients should be thinking about and considering. Sure. And and this is really at the heart of how this question has been presented to us following the Vought conviction. 
you know, a healthcare system might very well look at the kind of uh, physician example you gave where you have a sexual predator and say, that's not a guy that I want to support in terms of paying his or her criminal defense. Likewise, you can think in the medication arena of the reports over the years of an angel of mercy type nurse, someone who is intentionally administering medication either to kill a patient or to then come in and save that patient. So those are the kinds of folks that you may have hospital administration saying, we don't want to defend that person, that we don't condone that, that's not part of who we are. However, this case involving Redonda Vought is different. You know, an administrator may say, I want to support a nurse that finds himself or herself in this situation because we believe that it is the processes and the institution as a whole that bears that responsibility and not an individual person. So I think that's the difference in why this matter has come up at this particular time. And, you know, one of the things that we're telling our clients, a couple of policies that they would want to go to, to look for potential coverage for a criminal defense would be the professional liability policy, or in some cases, the directors and officers policy. And Catherine, one of the things that, that you mentioned, and, and we work diligently on, on coverage wording with our clients and, and underwriters and, and outside consultants on both, and a lot of our clients have captives or they're wholly owned insurance companies. So whether it's a, a captive or a commercial insurance policy that we're working on language for, what are some of the creative ways that, that you have implemented or at least discussed to allow some of the flexibility you just mentioned that clients may desire? Sure. So I think there are a couple of different parts of the policy that we would need to examine to determine whether they have the breadth to provide for coverage of a criminal defense. The first place is simply the grant of coverage. What does the policy itself cover? And is that broad enough to include a defense of a criminal action? You may find, for example, some policies defining the words claim or suit in a way that restricts it to a civil action and not to a criminal action. So definitely, this is a situation where the devil is in the details. Another key part of the policy would be the definition and language around a medical incident, professional health care liability, that sort of thing, and making sure those are broad enough. And finally, a key definition that you would want to look at is defense expenses. Because for example, if the definition says defense expenses incurred in representing the insured in a civil claim, that's going to be too narrow. So we'll want to look in each of those areas to make sure the language is broad enough to support a criminal defense of the type in the Redonda Vought case. And, and I will say, of course, with a captive policy, you're going to have more flexibility in that wording, but certainly it's something to look at and talk with commercial insurers as well. And then finally, Todd, I think the piece that we can't ignore is the what we call the, the conduct exclusions. So whether it's DNO or your professional liability policy, there will be an exclusion that is something along the lines of um, an exclusion for any claim arising from violation of any statute, law, criminal conduct, that sort of thing. One thing that many of our policies have and that you would want to look for is a carve back to that exclusion. In other words, an exception stating that until there is a final adjudication of guilt, the policy will provide a defense. So at a minimum, I think you would want to look for that language right off the bat. Thank you, Catherine. I think another area uh, that you and I have uh, and others have focused on 
is when an insured has knowledge and making sure that we tie down or narrow that language to where it has to be at a certain level or executive versus an employee at the departmental level, for an example, that may become aware of an incident that the decision makers of the organization may or may not be aware of. And that's absolutely right. And I think in some circumstances, the DNO policies are better about making it very clear that insureds are treated separately for those purposes. But it's also an issue that needs to be looked at with respect to the professional liability policies. And another kind of practical tip that I would offer, Todd, is sometimes it can be to the benefit of an insurer. Let's say that you have a professional liability policy and it's questionable as to whether it is broad enough to provide a criminal defense to a nurse. If you have a corresponding civil liability claim covered by that policy, which you very well may have, I think there's a really strong argument to be made to the carrier that by providing this nurse support in their criminal matter through a defense of that criminal matter, you are going to get a better result in the civil case. In other words, if I have a nurse that has no representation or poor representation in a civil matter, that person may make admissions against interest that would ultimately result in a worse verdict against the institution that is insured. That's very good insight, Catherine. And I thank you for joining us. And Catherine and I look forward to working with each of you as a more rewarding way to manage your risk. For more information, please visit us at www.alliant.com. <music>